You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Wheeler. And I'm one of the other hosts, Roger Gaddis. Jason, what's up? We're in the same room again. Who knew? It is. It is. We're, we're back uh, trying it again. But today we actually have people who can offer a meaningful perspective to, to the show. We're glad to have... About time. It took two months into this year before this happened. <laughs> We're glad to have an old uh, friend of the show now, officially. I mean, what does it take? Two times? Of, I think one time this probably is, friend of the show. Yeah, but there I mean, you go. Adam's been on before. Adam Baldwin, we're uh, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you. Live from McPherson, right? Yep, there you go. No fear in McPherson. Exactly Perfect. right. Perfect. Got it. So Adam, thankfully, agreed to uh, to uh, chat with us uh, again and uh you know, I looked, I was telling him earlier before the show, before we started recording, it's been about three years almost to the month since uh, we last had Adam on the show. Of course, we've talked to him since then. We've actually had lunch with him since then. It was pretty cool. We did. Free uh, lunch. Yeah. Someone recognized Adam in the restaurant and bought all of our lunches. It was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Didn't even have to give him a koozie. This is, yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, we've been keeping up on Twitter and texting and different things. Adam helped me through my my difficult bike theft loss earlier mm-hmm. uh, or last last fall, I guess. So, um, you know, he's been there for for emotional support for that for sure too. So, anyway, we got him on to talk about things that matter today before he gets busy with you know the things that's got to be done in the springtime. So, Adam, you got any uh, what what's before we dig into any questions, what's what are you doing out there? What's going on in your part of the world right now? Well, we actually just got some rain over the weekend, or yes, I don't know when it was. Yes, yeah, Sunday, Sunday night, and so um, we actually have mud now, so that part's nice. But we've been fighting drought now since uh, basically last June. We kind of went from being cool and wet to a blast furnace, and so that's. That's been farming in Kansas. Um, I can't say I helped you too much working your way through on your bike theft because you don't have a, I haven't got you a replacement bike yet. So I've been sending lots of ideas, but he's not willing to uh, pull the trigger yet. So the right one will come come through. I'm confident in that. It will have a kickstand. That's the reason <laughs> I haven't taken you up on any years yet. <laughs> you can get one of those aftermarket kickstands. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. Everyone makes bad decisions, and Roger's proven that he does too. So, there, perfect. There we go. First bit of wisdom from this episode. We're already on a roll. This is great. For those of you listening that don't do the bike thing, I don't either. And and uh, I mean, I I get a bike at Walmart when mine wears out, you know, or whatever. But like, oh, the then whole, you have a kickstand. No worries. Absolutely. There. <laughs> it, it's like you know, I never knew this was such a big. You and me either, brother. Stands. <laughs> it's crazy, but I'm glad I'm glad someone's on top of it and figure you guys are. But anyways, <clears throat> you get it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, this is great. All right. So back at it here. So we want to get 
uh, Adam, your perspective on on just communication amongst uh, farmers and grain elevator folks or grain buyers in general, um, likes, dislikes, all that. So we want to want to delve into all that. And, uh, you know, when you had good experiences, bad experiences and and what's the difference there? Yeah. Any more specific? Yeah, well, it just where did this topic come from? Well, just, you know, it's meeting season now. So for better or worse, you, you, you get to see some forms of good communication and lots of terrible forms of communication. Uh, and then just hearing stories of people, uh, good and bad both, but it, it's, you know, we live in the elevator world. It's nice to hear stories from the you know farmer side, especially when it comes to elevators, because Jason, you can attest, I can attest. We know companies that are, we think are pretty good at communicating things to their customers. And we know places that are absolutely abysmal at communicating things to their customers. Yeah. So I thought it'd be, it might be good catharsis for Adam and it might be helpful to our listeners to hear, you know, uh, a farmer's take on, or, you know, it's even a grain seller's take on dealing with buyers and, you know, you know, what, what, what works and what doesn't. So that, that's where this kind of comes from. So, uh, Roger's, um, daughter I saw on Facebook is selling Girl Scout cookies and my girl my daughter just joined Girl Scouts and she's selling Girl Scout cookies and so I was trying to give my daughter like a sales pitch lesson from when back when I sold seed and um, you know the old always be closing and coffees for closers and all that (laughs) and I think that there's there's people within the grain marketing or ag retail that you know they want to they're either always trying to be closing selling something to a farmer or they're like trying to be my buddy. And I, I don't need, I don't need a buddy unless, I mean, I can like you and we can be friends, but I have had very few, uh, you know, salesmen who I'm just going to call up randomly and shoot the breeze with. Um, so I don't need to, I don't need, uh, my grain guys to always be closing, but in that communication, if we're communicating, you should be informing me of something. And so I don't think it should be the ABCs. Maybe if you're if you're a grain guy, but it may be ABI, but that doesn't sound as good. But um, <laughs> but that always being for me, I think is is real key at the at the base of uh, when we start com- communication. Because if I know the uh, a grain guy is calling me and there's going to be information I want to hear, I'm probably going to answer that phone call or respond to the text because we get enough calls, text emails that it's pretty easy to start ignoring them so i think that's that's the key once we start in terms of that conversation is um let's have meaningful conversations when we're having conversations so we can maximize that time and that's that's great and that's you know one of the things that i kind of always wondered about too is you know you said you know ignoring the text and then we've been past peak texting for a while i think i mean it's been it's nothing new anymore Closing bids on a text. What's your thoughts on that? The, I mean, everyone wants to give them to you, right? So yeah, you only absolutely. need them from one place. And I think I get, because you always get like those free marketing services or like the marketing services. We'll sign you up for your text messages too. And like, I don't care. Like that doesn't provide any value to me. I mean, I'm fine with, I like that I get them from my local elevator and then I know local bids mm-hmm. and that's, more or less just so I have an idea of what happened that day. Um, Cause I haven't, I haven't been following it maybe as close recently as I used to. Um, but yeah, you, you only need one spot. You don't like, I don't need 
cattle futures because I'm not trading cattle. I don't have cattle. I just need Groveland elevator futures, wheat bid, cash bid, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that that's what it provides a value to me on that one text beyond that. It doesn't. So. So you said always be informing what sort of things does a grain buyer inform you of that make you want to take their call or respond to their text? What, what is that? What sort of stuff? Um, I actually, I don't need that many calls. Like, let's start with that, you know, because, um, but I think it's more, um, and I know you, you guys don't like to like have farmers focus on basis, but especially like when that sorghum market was really heating up and basis was moving a lot or potentially falling apart. Um, you know, that was, let me know what's going on there, what, you know, um, you know, there was some opportunities where our local elevator had made some early sorghum sales uh, that were going to be quick shipped. So they wanted to get sorghum sold. So, hey, if you have an opportunity where it's potentially beneficial to me, beneficial to you to get bushels locked up, let me know with that. You know, that's that's normally those are the those are the kind of uh, comments or like, connections that I want. Um, like whenever I've had a, a grain guy call me and he's got a great marketing deal or, you know, program or renamed accumulator, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll listen, but it's just going to make, make it awkward when I say no, you know? <laughs> and if I do say yes to try it, I, I did an accumulator one time just so I could like do some and, and legitimately say I didn't or did not like it, you know, like, and, I, it, I mean, what screwed it saved me because I didn't contract bushels in a rally because I didn't know how many I had contracted and we were in a drought and we ended up having good bushels. So it, mm. it actually worked, but not in the, you know, the way it was supposed to. And so I just think, you know, over the years, it's that it's, it's, Hey, we got, we have an opportunity. We need, we need some quick ship stuff. Um, can you, we're in the middle of harvest. Can you get this to a, a feed yard, you know? And, and, and a lot of those, those opportunities are with the, an, an outer region merchandiser who yes. I have the least yeah. amount of contact with, but I know if he's contacting me, there's probably value for both of us. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like there's, 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 there's a pricing opportunity for me and he needs to find some bushels and we can work together, you know? And so that, that's what I like is, you, you know, because the reality is, is none of us know what the market's going to do either. So like when I have the field guy trying to like, tell me what he thinks the market's going to do, you know, like you don't know and neither do I. And if you did, you wouldn't be, trying to round up country elevator bushels and so it, so like it, local cash market intel uh, guys that are you know talking to other merchandisers and actually know you know what's needed locally that's value to, that's yeah, value that's that that's value. that's what i can't find on my own right, right. yeah and that's so what, like that's one of the things we've said to like it's a to our customers and stuff it is uh, and, and I know this is kind of murky, like, oh, we're not trying to teach farmers to be basis traders. And I get that. 
but demands demand. And sometimes it's just everybody needs to be involved. We got to get the bushels there and everything. But um, I, I don't I don't think it's a. Uh, they go against each other. But but one thing we've said is, is you should be a the marketing like the access point to the as a local grain elevator you should be your farmer's access point to the market at large you know so locally regionally whatever you should because you're always doing the farmers got plenty on his plate he's having to do every day and and this is your job so you should be providing that sort of i think that's really good i think that's good intel that that and you know, originator or merchandise or whatever you want to call it at the commercial level should be providing, uh, providing their farmers. And yeah. Well, that's, that's you know, and it's back to that deal too on, on market opportunities. Um, I, I think I maybe told this story the last time I was on, but I had, uh, an out of, out of area merchandiser call me. He, he needed corn hauled into, to a feed yard, you know, option to board and I was hauling in and that was when I first started doing more direct ship stuff. And the, uh, I'm thinking to myself, hauling in this, to this uh, feed yard, if they're paying me option, what's the uh, feed yard paying? Why I need to cut out this middleman. And so I call the feed yard. I'm like, Hey, you guys buying corn? Yeah, we're buying corn. What are you bidding? Minus 20. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like there's there's definitely opportunities there that farmers farmers think they can arts outsmart, but they can't just because of the base the of what you know basis traders are actually doing opportunities that aren't going to present themselves to farmers, but with a good mm-hmm. partnership, you know everyone can benefit. Right. So and you know and that that's a timing thing, and I think. That's always was my biggest, I don't want to say challenge, but, you know, point of, of discussion, an exact example like that. I mean, I had made a sale, you know, who knows, four months ago at a certain level, a basis had dropped and I'm buying it in at what the end user's bidding or a nickel above or whatever. And, you know, I had guys that take it and you'll find that it worked, pr- whatever the price was, worked for them, they sell. And I had other guys just like, well, how can you be bidding more? This doesn't, and these wouldn't sell me, just wanted to argue about what I was paying and not sell it anywhere. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Here's here's the bit. Here's, yeah. here's what it is. But somebody's making money off of me, Dad Gummit. Everybody it be so, or this thing won't all work. But uh, <laughs> but it's qual it's qual it's quality over quantity, I guess. You know, like you said, with the, you had people that you know buyers that you know when that text or call comes through, you you know experience says this is worth worth my while, and you know for every one of those, I'm sure there's twenty that's that's not. Um, one of the things I do want to ask you, though, and we hear this all the time, is that there's this idea on the elevator side for sure that originators need to know what is going on in the broader market around the world because farmers come in and say, hey, what's the market doing? And the, the pressure on the originators, I need to sound smart and know that Brazil's doing this or China's doing this. That's, I, I firmly believe that is false, but it is a huge undercurrent in our business that we need to look intelligent to the producer. We need to know what's going on, even though it doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things, because, it, you know, some people won't even get to the point of talking about the local bid. They'll just talk about yeah. whatever's happening. So fr- from your standpoint, how important is it that an orig- a grain originator say, 
can can know what's going on in a broader market versus just being focused on local prices. Well, okay. I don't want my originator to, to, I don't want to meet my originator and think this guy's an idiot either though. So you want him to have like some base knowledge there. But so I will say like this fall, some of the like market intelligence that I got from my grand guy that I really appreciated. And it was that um, some of the feed yards in Western Kansas, and Western Nebraska, we're starting to look at um, train loads of corn coming in. And I don't know if that ever happened or not. But, you know, that was in Kansas where we had our drought. We were incredibly corn deficit this year with huge basis um, bids over historical, you know, 90 cents a dollar over where we normally are or more. And so, like, knowledge base like that that's valuable because when you see like the the east coast or the you know the actual i state twitter grain people like oh we're in a glut we're in a glut you know and well we're not and and so i think (laughs) it's easy to get lost in that big picture you know but i think it's like you say though too i think i think farmers this want to be told something so they feel like something makes sense and no one wants to say no one no one wants to hear i don't know and neither do you and but but, we all think that right i mean it's it's just a weird thing i mean it was up 20 cents today what what happened well that was i mean that's what i i texted this to roger here uh, when Chat GPT first came out, and I had Chat GPT <laughs> writing market commentary, mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, it worked. I mean, it was just made blew some smoke, and everyone was <laughs> like, Yep, must be it. Uh, like that, my computer really knows the markets. <laughs> A beep boop, <laughs> but so, you know, yeah. this is such, I mean. And, and I say that everybody wants to have talking points, you know, things to discuss, and, and, you know, current events. And that's interesting. We'll, we'll detract from that. But I think what we see happen a lot is that I say happen a lot, can happen a lot, is that there's this intense focus on I need to know either obscure things about the market or what's happening in every single country and every single report. And I need need to understand what all these charts that are on Twitter mean with arrows and colors and things that nobody knows anyway. But there's this idea that if I don't know that, then I can't have a discussion with this guy about buying his grain. And I just, I don't believe that's true at all, but that, that mentality is prevalent out here. Yeah. I, I, I won't say like, this is what I would say. I don't think there is a value necessarily in it but if i'm a merchandiser listening to this as a salesman i've i've been to enough sales pitches where like i maybe thought the guy was full of crap but he'd said a whole bunch of numbers and i go to like you never want to just like say a presenter's full of crap to like the guy sitting at the table with you because maybe they don't think that but you so you'll ask him so so what did you think of that guy and they'll normally say, well, I don't know, but he sure seemed a lot smarter than me because he threw a whole bunch of numbers out there. Mm-hmm. And maybe they were irrelevant. You know, maybe they were true, but out of context. And so 
I think, I mean, you want as a merchandiser, like I think dealing with the farmer, you want to be able to have like a concept of what's going on. But like every time, like one a guy comes and tell like visits with my dad, and they'll tell him, you know, you think the market's really gonna like rally from this point? Dad's like, well, yeah, sure, you know. Or it's just we don't know because right. like especially the last several years has been this ruins probably everybody on being able to like market have marketing plans and be <laughs> be good in their uh you know just being consistent in sales and stuff because we got we got that like black swan on black swan on black swan that made historical decisions that were really good at the time you know get get um three months down the road look dumb i.e like when i was setting basis like right at this time last year on contracts because the mark the, the contracts were rallying like crazy no way these basis levels can hold minus 20 oh my god that's so great come harvest plus 80 you know <laughs> it was you know it's the old right decision at the time with the information you have and you have to go forward and but if you come across too confident and then you're wrong, that's that's probably worse than just the old I I don't know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's I know I it's kind of like what you guys say too, somewhat on spreads. You just say that's what spreads say, whatever. So mm. yeah, you know, I, I mean it's there's there's no way a person could keep up with all the things going on that if you know goes into the market, but you can't keep up with you know where the price is at, where the where you're ultimately going to sell, which is your local cash price or you know regional cash price at least if you're dealing with a you know a cross country trader, uh, and then for merchandise you know spreads uh, they they pretty well tell you what the market's thinking you know whatever this. Again, you can add a whole lot more layers onto it. You don't have to, and um, you know I think we've moved in from that age of information to the age of decision and it's there's not a lack of information there's an overabundance of information you know it's not all good information for sure but you got so much of it you know and i think the whether it's a farmer or the originator who i think the idea is i need to i need to know all this stuff that's out here now and be able to you know make sense of it or be able to relay it on and yeah you know again anyway I'm, I'm repeating myself, but it's well, so I've got a my next question. One of the things you said earlier was, you know, you don't don't want them to call you too much, but don't bother me too much. Like, what's what's a reasonable amount of times guys should reach out? We, whether it's text or whether it's calling, like, what's too much, and you know, what should it? And I know you're not everyone, right? But you're you're the everyman. You're the greatest uh, yeah, average yeah. American here. So <laughs> yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, it's like you say, though, I don't know, because my one of my guys I went to high school with is like the head, like director of sales for a local, the local uh, co-op. And and he, he's talked about he's had farmers that when he was back, when he was merchandising, would call him every single morning. What's the market going to do? I mean, that's wasting everybody's time. But. I would say like right now, like actually my merch, my field guy just called me last week to try to set up a meeting this week. Um, Cause my old guy got moved out. So he's a new guy. We don't know each other that well. And he wanted to get together and just find out like what my typical marketing plan is. Right. And so 
I don't have enough contracted the way it looks right now. And um, like a call that would be beneficial for a guy like me is who, who doesn't have a lot contracted, especially compared to historical percentages to say, hey, you know, you don't have quite as much contracted as we got a plan because, you know, you've kind of been doing that averaging deal these last few years and uh, doing, you know, doing a fair amount of sales and we're just not seeing any of that. Is that a plan? Are you looking to go somewhere else? What's going on? You know, find some basis because I do want to have a relationship with the guy when it's time to like on my farm store grain where I can call and and have a relationship with especially if something goes wrong. So like, like I, I probably made it sound before, like I don't want to have a relationship with anybody. And that's not true. Like I value, I very much value relationships within mm-hmm. the ag retail sale complex, but I don't, I don't, I don't value them when they feel forced like the old, Hey, I'm just calling to stop by about what, you know? <laughs> and, and so if it's, if it's a get to know you stop, that's one thing you can get one or two of those. Okay. You want, I'll take you out for lunch. That's just, you know, everyone will take a free lunch, but don't make it, just make it about, you can do that. Just, you know, that's just people eating, you know, and figure out a way to get some information from a guy, but that was, that was rambling, but no, that's, that's good. That's, that's from the heart. I can see it on your face. It's good. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the, the interesting thing we'll talk about a little later too, the four contract thing, we'll get into that. Cause it's, it's, you're definitely not alone on that at all. <laughs> Being behind. That's a, that's, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, I would say, I would like to ask too, though, um, when say you're having a conversation with uh, the local, you know, originator buyer, whatever, and go over, you know, what your marketing plan is and this, that, and other, and know your cost production, look at current prices where they're at. Will you, this is a personal question, will if if the originator doesn't ask you to put in targets or sell some grain, will you do it yourself right immediately after that meeting? I probably would now. Because I got, I, I focused really hard on getting all my uh, expected cost productions last week. I had, I was behind on that too. So and that was honestly, that was part of my lack of trigger pulling was I just hadn't got that done. But um, see that that's what's interesting is the communication that I normally have if it's not. I have the sell opportunity is we have this product that we're trying to sell, not, Hey, uh, you want to, you want to think about getting some target orders in, you know, like mm-hmm. sit down like this salesman or marketer, man, whatever you would guys want to call him. Um, he's the first one in quite a while that has actually wanted to come in find out what my plan is and you know like you say if he knows we're on the same page and having someone to kind of prod you along because i can make a marketing plan every year and that's really easy and executing that marketing plan is really hard right and they always because they always say well, if you have a marketing plan you know then 
once the rally happens, if you hit your triggers, you pull the trigger. Well, that's not how it works because <laughs> you're in the middle of a rally and why would I contract now? Mm-hmm. And so, but the, uh, but yeah, like I was, I mean, I've had target orders fill, you know, like I had, I've had, I hit the peak of the market one year in an overnight trade that I would have never hit. I've, I've had stuff hit on flights, you know, where it spiked up and fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, if you can get, if you can, add, that's probably the best help a, a merchandiser can do is help a guy get target orders in. And cause that, that takes away that, uh, that emotion kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. That's good to hear. Cause that's what we, that's what we tell all our customers, you know, but it is, it's, it's, it's having those meaningful, you know, get a relationship, you have meaningful conversations about, you know, marketing, about doing it. And, you know, I'm sure you've been at meetings or maybe even one-on-one with someone and they can present all of the information in the world and all this and why students says, well, at the end of the conversation, if they don't ask you to take action, you know, it's, probably not going to happen. I mean, any audience, this isn't just a farmer. This is anybody, you know, it's, it's just a thing, you know, I, that gets dropped a lot, that whole asking for action, you know, cause that's a big step, you know, from a sales guy or something like that to, yeah. you know, you seem presumptuous or what, but I think so many missed opportunities. And then it's not just the missed opportunity for the guy buying the grain. It could be missed opportunity for the guy selling the grain too. You know, you didn't get targets in and then yeah, you, no, then your, your plan didn't get, come to fruition. So that's, that's that's good to hear asking asking for that sale is key that's like back when i sold seed it's the same you can do the whole pitch all you want and say look at all this information and this is how it's yielded and so and so is planting it and if the guy says oh that's good he'll leave it as that's good unless you say how many bags can i put you down that's exactly right you know getting back to the girl scout cookie thing that's what i told Maisie. i said you know, you if you happen to be working a booth in front of the high V or something, it's like don't ask people if they want cookies. You just go, "Hey, what's your favorite cookie? How many boxes do you want?" <laughs> that's that's actually what I was telling my daughter too. The exact same thing because I, yeah. I gave her, I when we were practicing, I told her, "Okay, come in and give me a sales pitch." And so she walks in the room and she goes, "Do you want to buy Girl Scout cookies?" And I said, "No," and she was like what and then walked out worst dad ever (laughs) i'm like no well no you gotta you gotta like why should i buy from you you know like why like what's your goal because she said she said like what's your goal she goes well 20 boxes is what she needs to get the badge and i'm like no no your goal is 150 and she was but it's only 99 yeah well that's but people are going to help you reach your goal Mm -hmm. If you say 20, they'll say, well, if I buy one, that's, well, that's 5%, you know, we're not, yeah, 2% yeah. the way there. And so, but if you can help them, 5%, sorry, bad math there. But the... Uh, no, we didn't even I, catch that, so that's how bad we are. <laughs> so is this a, a, a merchandiser or originator company and say, look, I got to buy, uh, you know, 2 million bushels. I need your help. How, how much can I put you down for? <laughs> well... <laughs> Honestly, though, that was that was on that sorghum deal. Yeah, um, right. It, it's a, it was like yeah. we we got to fill these trains. We need yep, your yeah. help. Yep. Yeah, and absolutely. We need your help, and so we're giving you a premium. And this isn't for everybody, 
you know and so then you're like hey this is i'm kind of like the special guy here you know i must not be i must be like have favored nation status and, and then uh then it was a horrible sale come harvest but it felt it was the right decision at the time yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had like a- i I couldn't be mad about it, you know. We had a guy we worked with one time. They were just on a little short line. They can only get like three cars, at a, three or four cars at a time. And, you know, but they could get services a short line. And so uh, they never, they hadn't used it in 20 years, you know. And this new merchandise comes in. He figures out how much it costs to do all this stuff. And it, it wouldn't give them any better market than they already had. But he did it. He's like, well, I'm going to try it. You, I haven't done this before. I'm going to try it. And then, I mean, yeah, all the farmers are like, hey, man, you need help filling that train? You know, we're going to go fill a train. And then he, that was his thing. He's like, hey, you know, I'm working on filling this train. And they're like, yeah, you know, I can, how many bushels? You, oh, it takes 15,000 bushels to load your train. I don't know. Put me down for those. And and then, uh, yeah, he, he'd call guys and be like, hey, you know, it's my bid and, you know, whatever, asking them, we sell anything. Nah, you know, nothing right now. But hey, man, if you, you need to fill a train or something you should let me know i will i will help you fill a train anytime you need but i don't know people like to help i think in general people like to help and be helpful and you know feel like they're a part of something as opposed to just you know selling a number here hey i i do want to shift a little bit and ask you something that that came to mind while you were talking is uh meetings they put folks put on farmer meetings you know customer appreciate on customer appreciation they do maybe marketing talks in them what do you think of those are those good bad why are they good why are they bad i, I guess they run the run the spectrum but i'd like yeah your input. i i think i i'm i'm good with meetings um not maybe necessarily for the uh information provided more so i think we're Especially there's just fewer and fewer farmers. You don't have like farm auctions anymore because all the auctions are online. The elevators are more high volume. You're not you're not sanding in truck line anymore. Like we're they turn us out pretty fast. So those interactions that you get with local farmers and maybe your salespeople, um, you know, it it allows a venue for that to occur. Now you like have a presenter start talking about, um, uh, you know, like world, world supply and demand tables. I'm probably going to check Twitter, but the, uh, (laughs) but like our co-op does a pretty good job. They have, um, they're not Mark, they're symposium meetings. And so it's more big picture global like what's coming AI kind of thing. Like here's what we're doing as a co-op to address these issues. These are the investments and trying to build that relationship where people feel good about doing business with the cooperative or maybe saying, well, maybe that's why their bids a little bit less because they've invested in these facilities or maybe this is why they're better. And I'm so thankful they've invested in these facilities. Um, that said, I've been invited to how many insurance meetings from different people, insurance marketing meetings in the last week, and I haven't went to any of those. So, so that's that's good. So okay, say so you got you got an agronomy meeting, an insurance meeting, and a grain marketing meeting. In what order would you go to those? What would be the first? 
agronomy would be the first and then grain and then insurance and i think the biggest thing like on an insurance meeting is you got to stay pretty on topic you know it's like these are these are the updates here's a meal here's here's some giveaways mm -hmm. you know it's we you don't want uh, to read an insurance policy on the slide well or don't don't sell your client list to someone to present some thing at your meeting because that's happened a couple of times that's partly why i don't go to insurance meetings anymore <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean, there's just some guys like meetings and some guys don't too. There's going to be the farmers that are going to go to yeah. any meeting there is. And mm -hmm. so, but like our, like the local elevator, you know, they have like after fall harvest, they have a soup supper and there's nothing provided. That, I mean, no information provided, but you're creating a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Even if all it is, is saying, Hello, is the employees giving you a cinnamon roll and a chili? You know, so we got to talk about that uh, later. That's um, that's such a travesty. Is that Cincinnati? They did that. Oh, it's, it's, Mc, it's Whoa, McPherson. What? I don't know. No, Cincinnati does grocery chili and pastries. Come on, man. What's wrong? Okay, it's not like Alton Brown. They're not like put together. It's a oh. bowl of chili and a cinnamon roll on the side. Oh, okay. okay, that's acceptable. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought you were pouring chili on my cinnamon. I thought it was, it was like an ex, you know a hot pocket that had been in a microwave too long or something type yeah. of thing. But well, yeah, tater so so uh, but get, to get back on the on the serious track here, semi serious. You know that that's that that raises a good point because I think one of the the biggest thing on these meetings, whatever it is, is the expectation of what's going to happen there. And, you know, if you're going to have a customer appreciation post-harvest thing, the expectations come and mingle and social and eat. Uh, if you're going to have a marketing meeting sp specifically, it's about marketing. This is what we're going to do. You may eat and whatever too, but, you know, this is the expectation. I think sometimes I've seen elevators have meetings kind of, I wouldn't say haphazardly, but not with a lot of thought put into that expectation. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, people do this. We're going to have a meeting and we're going to have food and have marketing and have insurance and and, it, you know, when they put it out, it's just, hey, we're having a, a meeting. We haven't had one in a while. We're going to do it. And then they try to fill all this time. Again, maybe it's fine. Maybe it's not. But I I think that the, the idea on the elevator side is we've got to provide all this stuff. It'll be a one-stop shop. I don't know that that's true. I, I, I like the idea of having a, a segregated thing, if you can. Uh, but regardless, I think you've got your audience has to have a good idea of what's going to go on there for them to really enjoy it. Well, I I think, I think there's definitely opportunities where, let's say your your ethanol plant, your local ethanol plant is going to start um, handling integer corn, right? And so everyone has to work together to make this happen because now we have to channel this corn through different scenarios. Um, seed guys have to sell it. That's a great opportunity to have a meeting, get a lot of people there, say, hey, we we have this new market opportunity for you guys. It's not going to fit everybody, but you ought to come listen to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that that's value. But if it's information that's outdated once it's presented, if it's talking like market data and stuff, I mean, it's great to say like, here's the trend. You know, we think this is the trend. It's your friend, but, I was told. <laughs> but, but I think it's kind of like you say, it turns into just trying to sound smart and 
blow blow smoke and <laughs> yeah that's and, uh, and i could be that guy too that gets annoyed by that and like pokes holes so you, you open yourself up for that if you have the the pain oh i've talked to you many times in meetings then. <laughs> yeah you're the guy you're that guy all right i try i try i, I try not to be i went through a phase but. oh you should that's that i mean as a presenter at meetings we relish anyone interacting so it's great because it's usually negative. A- afterwards, you have the positive comments, but in it, it's like, oh, let me tell you about this. Who sets the basis? And then, of course, you always blame yeah. one of the major companies. But, you know, well, it's, just- it, it's always a relief that someone's actually was listening to anything I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think, like, like I can just tell you, like, in, on marketing ones, like, where I've spoke up, it'll be some guy really trying to push puts, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're pushing, look, you can buy this, lock in this price, blah, blah, blah. And I finally, I guys, I said at this meeting, like, you can't just say buy a put without a plan because all you're right. going to do is I'm going to spend money. It's going to expire good. worthless and I'm going to still have my grain and never made a sale. <laughs> exactly. And then the market's going to drop the day after uh, my put expires. So, I mean, that's, that's like, but on the flip side of that is, is there like very simple market tools puts calls buy puts sell calls you know any of that stuff that isn't complicated but there's a lot of guys who do not understand it at all mm-hmm. and maybe they don't want to understand it because then that way they can just throw their hands up and say well you know and and for a lot of people you don't probably need it right. but mm-hmm. but I will say in Kansas when we're in a drought and we have really good prices and the last thing I want is delivery requirements, having option strategies that can at least put in some floors without being deliverable is beneficial to me. And so like, that's where we're at. You like have right a plan. Now. You have a plan for the put in this instance, you know, as opposed to just, Hey, you should do this because commissions for me but <laughs> right well that's what yeah i mean that's like my dad you know he he'll have a, a you know the broker when he calls and i told him like you know he's just selling he's just selling for commissions you understand that right yeah he did pretty good for me there for a while he, he hasn't lately like well but i i pretty well like i had a national guy and he called me trying to sell put or something and i bought it and the rolodex on the computer messed up and he called me again he's like adam we got a really good opportunity he had i'm like yeah you literally just talked to me and i just did it that was pretty much the end of the that's awesome (laughs) that's great this is like the guy that called you with the gold coins oh my gosh yeah that was unbelievable we were riding around some back roads somewhere and this guy called jason about trying to get him to buy gold eagles or something it was usually just ignore the greatest stealth bitch i've ever heard so it was great um, but they so just found like him in the vault. They're they can, it's a rare exactly. selection. It was, man, I, I almost didn't call you because these are so great. Oh, yeah, such a great deal. Golly. <laughs> yeah. So, so you guys have have a uh, trading accounts. Do you guys just do uh, options in them, or do you ever do just straight hedges? Or uh, yeah, I do. We do. I do futures. Do hedges. Okay. Um, so. It's a little a little more comfortable to do those when. Um, 
when the market's not as volatile, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, you're gonna have the, and interest rates like, are cheaper. <laughs> but like on on like I would like corn and wheat. That's or hedging Milo or sorghum. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable doing futures, but like soybeans, no, I'm not. Yeah. For one, for one, the amount of soybeans we grow, five thousand bushels, is a lot percentage wise, mm-hmm. and I I know that margin calls lock you up and can make you a, a worse marketer than even if as it's human nature, even if it's like the margin call is the best thing to happen for you. It's like, yeah, you get that call, like, you know, three or four days in a row from a broker. We need more money. Yeah. And you know, you know that it's good, but it locks you up. And I think that's yeah. human nature. I think cheese is that way to a lot of people. <laughs> the uh but uh <laughs> but uh, you know that same thing happens to elevators too people's bought a bunch of new crop grade and it is rally season in the summer and you're paying margin calls every day and you're like oh, i got it i didn't drop my bases low enough when i bought these this is terrible i wish i didn't buy it now so it's not just on the farm that it's ever margin calls are a pain for everybody but they're supposed to be good we're told so do you feel like as a as on the farm side do you feel like your banker has a good understanding of the margin call thing and and they're good with it or is it just something you're just doing on your own you don't need to talk to them about it or yeah yeah i can pretty well just do it on my own yeah. um i do have I have I have fortunate to have we have a really good local bank, um, mm-hmm. and it it helps too. McPherson is really diversified industry wise, and so it's through a local bank that understands farms, and then also um, they're diversified, so they're not over reliant right. on the ag industry, and so they have plastics and and mm-hmm. uh, pipeline stuff and different manufacturing, and so they're. We're in a, we're probably in a unique situation when it comes to that with guys doing the local, the local bank. So yeah, that's, that's important. All right. Well, did you have uh, more stuff on new crop or are you? I think we kind of discussed it, but I, I real quick, I'll just get back. Oh, Adam kind of answered already, you know, getting your costs down and then, you know, going on a plan, but just as a, as an aside here, we just kind of was looking kind of comparing across our customer base where we were at, you know, this time last year with new crop futures on the books, you know, just to kind of see it as an average and then last week, it was off like 58% on corn and 67% on beans, you know, let, that much less as Ford contracted, you know, February of 23 than it was February of 22. Uh, so it's down every, because we've been doing these meetings the last month or so and everybody's like i hadn't bought anything yet is that am i the only ones like no no one's really bought anything yet it's just no one's like it just hasn't been a, a thing you know that the market hasn't really spiked to make grab anybody's attention and cash flow needs are low right now so there's just not a bit of big impetus to get that done yeah I but think, that, that will come well and this is the other thing i think we just assume we know why the farmers are doing what they're doing right the absolutely, so absolutely. That, from the elevator side it's like well they got plenty of money right now uh one so they're not worried about it you know they've they've been fine two uh there's an inverse from old crops new crops so what i can sell for if i had grain today versus what i could sell new crop it's not as good a price so they don't like that and all that stuff is is any of that even true or no, I think that's on, I think that's right. Okay. It's well for us in 21, we had incredible yields. 
and our inputs weren't high yet. Mm. And so like we had, we had good yields, good prices with produced with low inputs. And then 22, we knew, okay, 21 is going to have to help cover 22, but it was, it was good enough, you know, like wouldn't have to borrow a lot of money. And I know like you guys mentioned grain moves a lot of times as cash flow needs it. And so if I'm not needing to needing to find find some cash, not as big a deal. Um, and then, like you said, it's I've held grain. If I wouldn't have pre-sold the last couple of years, that mm-hmm. would have benefited me. Um, mm-hmm. I can look at the futures price versus spot price. It's like, well, it seems crazy to be selling beans X amount under what I can get right now. Um, Kansas, we're in a drought. So the idea of <laughs> locking up physical yeah. bushels until, you know, you know, you're going to grow something, but I mean, we cut, I had some three bushel beans last year, you know, so you, you think contracting five bushel an acre of beans is safe until it's not. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and I know yeah. like that's very unique to, to like that to, to the West, but it's still, it creates that uncertainty. I think, I think everyone, I think everything has just been so uncertain and up in the air, whether it's equipment prices, fertilizer prices, everything's been so volatile or feels overpriced. The old, it's easier not to make a decision thing. I think, I think mm-hmm. we're all, it's all human nature. Same reason people were buying Bitcoin. It's like, seems like everyone knew it was a scam, but hey, I'm making money, so I don't want to miss out. And so you don't want to miss out selling early, I guess. And stories all the times when it comes to farmers is it's tough to pull triggers and especially if you got money. Yeah. Well, I will say though, the other side of that, that coin is that across, again, across our customer base, target orders that are working for new crop futures are up over 120 or 130% for oh, this yeah. time last year. So, which makes sense, you know, you're going to have a certain amount that's booked and certain amount that's on target, but you know, so people are putting in targets. That, that's wonderful. You know, getting them in, um, you know, this early is, is, is good. And I, and I think, you know, we've got a lot of year ahead of, we didn't even hit traditional rally season yet, you know, so it's not like we're behind the eight ball, but like you said earlier, back to the emotional pendulum, if you don't have stuff set now, when, things aren't so crazy when things do get crazy, it's really tough to, to, to jump in. Then it seems like. Yeah. I mean, back to that communication deal, the, uh, if you can, if probably the best thing a marketer or merchandiser can do is try to get a guy to get target orders. And, but it's, it's back to that same deal. It's how big a gaps do you have between those targets? And, you know, like five years ago, you might have 40 cents, between your entire, you know, tire right. orders, and and then you go through an area, a stage where, well, that you, that could have happened in in a week or mm-hmm. two days or day, yeah. you know, and so it just makes it. Oh, you just tell on Twitter, like everyone was a was a market expert and telling you all all these farmers telling you how smart they were on marketing, and I mean maybe the algorithms mis- just messed up, but I don't see that anymore. No one's crowing about how great a marketer they are. It's or I've I've got this spread thing going, you know. Those people don't. I doubt they've got any more shy. It's just you know, it's, 
it's just no one no one is they're not people aren't as comfortable as they were yeah because the market's not as stable yeah and so yeah. it feels like the stakes are higher this year just like you said cost interest being up so high i mean all these things are just i don't know i read on twitter today uh that everything had changed now because of a spread that had a two cent range on it a less than two cent range this changes everything <laughs> i love it i love twitter so much Hey, hey, I'm sure we're getting the end here. One thing I want to like sh- suggest to to companies, and it's kind of back to Ben. Nothing. I don't know how to say his last name. That's good. Close about, enough. That's he it. had a deal. He had a a deal about you know the producer who didn't sign contracts, and I am I am very guilty of having a stack of contracts that aren't signed, and I hate paper mail. And if you have an app or a way I can sign that digitally, I'll sign it. If you email it to me and I can log in to some DocuSign and hit a deal, it's going to get done. Me having to open an envelope. It's, I, look, I know it's self-addressed. It, or it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, right. the postage is on it. <laughs> and all I have to do is sign it and put it into paper. It's a forever stamp, man. Come on. It's, you got plenty of time. <laughs> but, but for whatever reason, um, that just it's evidently for me it's a bridge too far i don't know it's <laughs> but it's i I'll, I'll sign contracts all day online and i'm really bad about it like i'll try to sit down and gather them up but at that point like i've got like duplicates where they send them twice mm-hmm. but a lot of times especially if you're making if you're making sales forward contract sales um in spring when you're busy like i like mm-hmm. i'm sitting on a tractor i can you know, mess with it, get it signed, mm-hmm. but it's just a little more work to uh, just make it how, easier for everybody. Make it digital. How often? I completely I agree. But how often do you go into the elevator where they could just say, "Hey, here's all your contracts and sign"? How often does that even happen? If they were to do it that way, if they oh. wanted physical signatures man i don't well ours our elevator is grain on one side and then like 400 however it has a long ways to the agronomy side Mm -hmm. and so i and they deliver most of the agronomy stuff anymore i don't you don't go in office much i don't i don't go in 12 times a year i know that gotcha I just wonder those honey buns ain't gonna eat themselves. It's you right. gotta go all the way to the back to find the vending machine. So I yeah, I had a good I thought you all the farmers just came in there and drank coffee every day. That's what uh that's what I heard. That's the older generation. I well, think. I think the point is that we're getting to that is that that and, and most people are, I think, are are either have adopted or moving to the digital east side just because it's easier and trying to get you know, no one wants to the reason elevators are, are on the farmers back getting is because the state's on our butts about having it when the big green specter comes in and they're like, mm-hmm. you don't have a signed contract. What's going on? Then you got to like scramble to try to get it signed. I mean, it, you know, it, it can jeopardize getting your green license renewed and all that. So that's, that's, you know, the big reason why it's, yeah, there's counterparty risk, you know, if someone defaults on the contract, but most times the signed thing is more for just to get the state off your back. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and it's, it's not like it's it's a it's a big problem. It's just easier, you know. Oh yeah, really for sure. Sure. To. 
Nice. Well, cool, man. Well, this is going to be one of the best episodes of this year. This is it's the second one of this year. This will be great. Extended, extended cut. Yeah. Adam, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us and, you know, putting your reputation on the line yet again. We do appreciate that. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, good luck this year and uh, we'll catch you on the tweet box. All righty. Sounds thanks, good. Thanks, Adam. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Oh.